son first. So Boudreaux, Boudreaux was having, it was a big birthday, it was his 40th, 40th birthday, so Boudreaux invited all of his friends over, and of course Thibodeau, his best friend, was over there. So Thibodeau's walking around his house, and the party's going on and on, and he said, man, I need some fresh air. So he looked out in Boudreaux's backyard, so he walked out in the backyard, and man, Boudreaux had a beautiful dog, a beautiful dog. And so he went up, and he started petting the dog, and says, you are a beautiful dog, and he said, thank you very much, sir. And the guy said, you talk? He said, yes, sir. And he had a 30-minute conversation with the dog. And the dog was telling him this stuff. He says, yeah, I was, I'm the most decorated dog in the Army. I used to go on reconnaissance missions. They would, they would, air, they would parachute me back in the enemy lines. And I would go around the camp and, and, and get intel and bring it back to them. He said, really? He said, well, what else have you done? Well, yeah, I was a rescue dog. He said, I worked with Red Cross, and they would... They would ship me all over the world every time there was a hurricane or an earthquake or a tornado. When people were trapped in tunnels or buildings, they would send me and I'd crawl through there, <clears throat> come back and tell the rescuers where there were and how many there were and so on and so forth. And, and Thibodeau's thinking, this dog is amazing. I want to buy this dog from Boudreaux. So he goes out there and he finds Boudreaux and he says, Boudreaux, how much you want for your dog? He says, $5. He said, $5? That dog talks. How can you only want $5? He said, that dog's a liar. He ain't ever left the backyard. <laughs> well, let, let's go frequency. I, I'm calling this series Frequency because these next four weeks, I want to focus on us hearing the voice of God. And I want, you, I want you, God wants to speak to you. He desires to speak to you. But we have to prepare ourselves to hear him. And that's why we're going to take a week of prayer and really just focus on, on the Lord. But the number one most qu asked question that I get from people who are trying to grow in their relationship with the Lord, who people who really are pursuing God, the number one question I get asked is, how, how do you hear God's voice? How do, you hear, how do you hear God's voice? And how do I know if it's God speaking to me? How do I know if it's the devil trying to deceive me? How do I know if it's the buffet I hit last night? I mean, how do I know when God speaks to me? And, uh, you know, what does the Bible say about God speaking to people? And the great news is this, is that we have a God that speaks to us. We have a speaking God. And the, the notion, some, some people believe that God doesn't speak anymore. That stopped with the age of the apostles. Uh, that is obviously, that is not true. All throughout, from the beginning of time, uh, throughout time, God has spoken to us, and he still speaks to people today. We just have to be able to discern his voice and, 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 you know, and listen to him. If you open the Bible, right in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 3, it says, and God said, let there be light. And it just, it just went on and on. Hundreds of times in the Bible, it says that, and God said, and God spoke. If you go to the book of Revelation, the Bible closes with, with God speaking uh, seven times to the seven churches. And he says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. So all throughout time, God has been speaking, and he still wants to speak in our life. So if God is still speaking today, but the most asked question I get is, how do I hear God's voice? Uh, we have to shift from, it's not God that's not speaking, but it's our inability to clearly discern his voice and to listen to his voice. So that's what we're going to talk about these next four weeks. And, um, you know, God, God just gave me a word as I was uh, praying. I always pray through every season of the church because my job as a shepherd 
is to help our church go through seasons of spiritual growth. And, you know, God simply told me this. If people will prepare to hear my voice, they will clearly hear my voice. So I, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm not, it, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. But if our hearts, if we're not prepared to hear the voice of God, it's going to be very hard to hear his voice, even if you dedicate time to pray. Let's, let's turn in a verse to John 10, verse 3 through 5. A very interesting verse. It says this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And of course, Jesus is using the analogy of a shepherd and sheep, which in the day Jesus was speaking, it was an agricultural society, so everyone had herds and flocks of sheep and goats. And so this made much sense. In America, you know, you don't see many flocks of sheep and stuff running around. I do want to say this, if you go to many other countries in the world, this is still the way they live. And, and what, what I've learned is in the natural realm, when you're talking about a shepherd and sheep, the sheep of a shepherd can distinguish his voice from any other voice. I'll tell you a story, I saw this firsthand. Trinity and I, years ago, we went to Turkey, and we, we, went, and we went on a tour, and we went through the seven churches of Asia Minor, all around Turkey, it was, in, it was incredible. So one day, we're in this little village, and uh, two shepherds were crossing the road at the same time, and their, their flocks got all mixed up. Now, there's several hundred sheep, and I looked at Trinity, and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Someone's going to end up with some more sheep. And as they separated, they didn't seem to be any worry on their voice. One of the shepherds went, whoo, whoo. He made a noise twice, and the herds just, they just separated, and every sheep knew that shepherd's voice. And they went with him, and the ones that didn't recognize the voice, they went the other way. And, and so uh, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, my sheep, they know my voice. They can distinguish my voice from anyone else. And so it's just like anything else, just like riding a bike or a skateboard or anything you do. Once you get the hang of riding a bike, you can always ride a bike. When you learn to hear the voice of God, it becomes easier and easier to distinguish, and, and the whole process becomes easier. And so th this, this verse also goes on to say that after the sheep hear his voice and follow him, that the shepherd goes out in front of the sheep. And that's an interesting dynamic that in church, the Christians many times, we don't understand. We get out ahead of the shepherd. We get out in front of God. But the dynamic is this. Before we go to school, before we go to work, before we post on Facebook, before we retweet, retweet that tweet, we need to make sure that our shepherd is out in front of us and that we are following him. Then it says that the sheep run away from a stranger's voice, competing voice. So the goal is this. When we can learn to distinguish the voice of God, we will also be able to distinguish what is not God and be able to run from competing voices from a stranger's voice. Proverbs 3, verse 6 in the message, it says this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one that will keep you on track. 
Wouldn't we all agree when we're off track? The problem is not God. The problem is that we have not been listening to his voice or we have listened and we haven't obeyed. So listen to the voice of God everywhere you go at every time of the day because the voice of the shepherd is what keeps us on track in life. And I just, if you know me, if you're new here, I just want you to know my messages are never to beat anyone up. I just want to say if you're on the wrong track, you can change that today. You can change that tomorrow. All you have to do is begin to listen to the voice of God. And I'm going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to talk from Luke chapter 8 and verse 8. There's a parable there. I'm going to read one verse, and then I'm going to go up and read the top of the parable. And then it's, it's quite interesting in this story. It's one of the few stories, there's only a couple of them, where Jesus tells the parable, then he explains it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go through as he explains it. And so today as I talk to you, all I'm going to do is outline Luke chapter 8, the parable that Jesus spoke very clearly. They're not, they're not my words. They're not my ideas. They came straight. They come straight from the voice of Jesus. In Luke 8, 8, it's very interesting. Luke verse eight and chapter 8 and verse 8 says this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, again, God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. Can you say it with me? Say, I have a hearing problem. God does not have a speaking problem, okay? That's very clear. And God says, I, I, I'm speaking to you. I'm, I'm constantly speaking to you, but you have too much going on. There's too much noise in your life. You have too many frequencies going on. There's too many competing voices, too many distractions. I want to say this. This is in the parable, but it's basically it's this. You're going to have to cut the noise out of your life if you want to hear God's voice. Too many frequencies coming in, too many distractions, too many voices will drown out the voice of the Lord. Now let's go to Luke chapter 8 and verse eight, 5, and we're going to go through this parable, and then we'll hear the explanation uh, from Jesus. It says, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds came and ate it up. So it was stolen, the seed was stolen. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Another translation says they had no roots. Their roots didn't go down deep enough. Other seed fell among thorns. In one translation we're going to read a little bit, says weeds. Fell among thorny weeds, or weeds, and uh, which grew up, grew up with it and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the problem is, is not that God isn't speaking to us. The problem from this parable tells us that, that the, the, the soil on which God's voice is landing isn't good. So in this parable, every time it compares a certain soil, soil in this parable represents our heart. So each condition we read, it's of the soil. That's a condition of our heart. It's a we have to prepare our hearts to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. And uh, what it says is if, if our heart isn't right, if something isn't right, just as a seed can't penetrate the soil and grow into a plant and be healthy, the voice of God can't come into our heart and take root and flourish in our lives if our heart condition uh, is, is, is not proper, is not right. And then Jesus goes on in verse 11 through 15, 
to just explain this parable to us. Uh, Very important. It says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And of course, the seed is is the word of God. It's his voice. And uh, someone might think, well, the, 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 the word of God is the Bible. Yes, it is. There's actually two words in the Greek for, for the word word. One, one means the Bible, the written word of God. The other is rhema. It's the voice of God. At this time, the Bible hadn't even been written. And so these people he's talking to, they don't have a copy of a Bible. So the seed in this reference is, is talking about the voice of God. And uh, so Jesus goes on to describe four scenarios that represent the condition of our hearts the soil that his word falls into. And and so as I talk this morning, what I want to say is every one of us in this room, your heart is one of the soil conditions that Jesus explains today. It may be two, but at least one of these, one of these scenarios will fit into your life. This is an all-encompassing parable. Verse 12 says this, those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart. heart. The, so they hear the word of God, but something isn't right. The soil doesn't receive it. Our hearts doesn't receive it. And the devil comes, and as quickly as the word comes to us, the devil comes and robs that word from us. And then it's important, so that they may not believe and be saved. And I'm calling this, this soil, this, uh, the polluted heart, the polluted heart. We hear God's voice, but it's quickly stolen from us by the devil. And here's the truth, the polluted heart. Uh, if you have a polluted heart, the truth is we all have junk in our heart. And again, I don't want you to feel bad about that. Uh, sometimes It happens to all of us. Sometimes I look into my life and I have junk in my heart. So there's a constant, there's a constant thing we have to do to keep our heart clean, clean uh, clear from the pollution of the world. And, and uh when the pollution takes over our heart, God's voice can't get in there. It's like a barrier for God's voice. And so God can be speaking to us. If our heart is polluted with junk and all kind of things, it blocks the word of God from, from us really clearly receiving it. And there's basically, there's probably more, but there's two basic ways that our hearts become polluted. The first one is we're polluted by our own actions, things that we do, choices we make, and and, you know, sometimes we don't make smart decisions, we don't make good choices, and that's sin. Basically, how you define sin in the Bible, sin is just missing the standard that God has for us. And we all do that sometimes. But here's the thing. Pollution mainly comes when we have unrepentant sin in our lives. So all of us sin, and all of us, we, you know, we go before Jesus and say, please forgive me for that. That wasn't right. Please forgive me. But when we have repetitive unrepentant sin in our life, that that just begins to pollute our heart and it begins to taint how we see life. But there's a second pollution and the second pollution is what others have done to us. Sometimes we haven't done anything wrong but someone else has hurt us in a way uh, and there's all types of scenarios. We, you know, maybe it was rejection in your childhood or some type of physical or verbal abuse or, or whatever and but, but even though someone else did it to us, it, it still pollutes our heart if we don't come to Jesus and say, hey, please take this out. Please, please, you know, I just want to get rid of that pollution. It takes over our lives. And uh, 
something else that I, I think is very important is that what happens is, so here's the deal. The devil, first of all, doesn't want you to have a relationship with the Lord. We know that. But if you have a stagnant relationship with the Lord and you're not doing anything for the Lord and you're not serving and helping and building the kingdom, he's not going to mess with you too much. But when you start really trying to grow and really trying to serve him and, and uh, you know, when you start giving and serving and build, become a kingdom builder, what he wants to do is he wants to stir things up in your life so that pollution can take over, over your heart. And so many times it's our relationships with, the, with people close to us, our hu husbands and wives. You know, if husbands and wives are fighting everything, it just pollutes. It pollutes, you know. If you're having trouble with your kids or if you're having trouble with a coworker, or maybe it's somebody you don't even know. But here's what I want you to know is that if you have a relational problem with somebody, the problem is not between you and that person. Oh, yes, it is. No, it, it, it starts off between you and that person, then it becomes between you and God because it blocks your relationship with God. So we have pollution. If you have pollution in your heart, it doesn't matter if you did something or someone else did something and you got offended or mad at that. The pollution, it just, the, the important thing to know is that the pollution blocks us from hearing the voice of God, so we've got to get rid of the pollution. I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a funny story. So way, way, many years ago, I don't know, uh, 10 or t maybe 12 or 13 years ago, four, maybe longer than that, we were meeting in the daycare, and the church was small. We're about probably 40 or 50 people, and we're trying to grow. And so we had a, a lady came, a visitor came one Sunday. And so as I always do, I always try to talk to, you know, visitors who, who will talk to me or whatever. And so I went up to her and said, hey, thank you so much for coming. She's like, hey, yeah, Pastor, I just want to let you know that, you know, I've been visiting around some churches trying to find a church. And really quite interesting, a couple weeks ago I was at a different church and he spoke almost the same message you did, except that it was really good. That pastor really presented things in an incredible way. If you'll give me your address... I'll send you a, a, a copy of that. You know, and I was like, Monopoly, get out of here, don't pass go, don't collect your money. You know? And I mean, I'll be honest, I was very kind to her, but it really, really bothered me. It really bothered me. And so the next morning, I got up to have my quiet time with the Lord. And I have, at that time, I had a, a big overstuffed chair, and, and I'd spread my Bible out and read and stuff. So I sat down to do my Bible reading, and you know, but that thought of what that lady said came into my mind. And I took the bait, you know. And then I looked up, and I, I'm getting madder, and I'm getting madder, and I'm getting madder, and I look at the clock, and it's been 35 minutes. 35 minutes, I was thinking about this lady who obviously wasn't coming back to church. You know, and, and I'm, but what, ha what happened? What she said was really insignificant to me in our church, you know. Uh, but because it got in my heart and produced pollution in my heart, I was so far away from the Lord, and I just had to repent and say, Lord, just I released that person, forgive me. I don't think she meant it that way. You know, it just came out that way. And then it's quite interesting. The Holy Spirit brought that back up to me the next day. The next day, I can't remember what I was doing, but I had to go somewhere a funeral or something, and so I was dressed really nice, you know, I was dressed really nice, and I hadn't eaten all day, and I was starving, so I went through Burger King, and I, and I got the Whopper combo, you know, and I'm driving, I'm trying to eat, drive to the funeral, and would you know it, a pickle fell on my pants, 
but it was the kind with mustard and mayo and ketchup right on my dark pants. So I'm like, the devil's something else. So I'm getting napkins and I'm trying to get it off, the pickle off my pants, all this, I got to go stand up there with mustard on my pants, I'm trying to clean my pants, you know. And, uh, you know, but when you do it with a napkin, now it's white, yellow, and red, you know, it's bad. And all of a sudden I look up and I'm in a different lane. And all of a sudden I realized that pickle on my pants didn't matter much. I got back in my lane and uh, the Holy Spirit said, you know, what that lady said was so insignificant, it was a pickle on your pants. But when you focus on the pickle, you 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 run into oncoming traffic. So don't let the pickle on your pants bother you no more. Okay, we got to move on. So we, we can't let things that, we can't let sin stay in our lives. We can't let what other people say bother us. We've got to try to fix our relationships, but we have to keep our relationship with God right, otherwise our heart becomes polluted. James chapter 1, verse 21, in the, the New Living Translation says this, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. That's a pretty, that's, That's not a request, that's a statement. Get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. So if we have filth and evil in our lives, it blocks the power of God from truly saving us and delivering us from things. And so I just want you to think for a minute. Some of you might have evil and filth going on in your life. And... And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say we got to get rid of it. The only way we can grow and have a thriving relationship with God is we have to get rid of all the evil and sin and the pollution in our hearts. Give it to God. We just we have to, to give it to God. And, you know, I want to say this. Sometimes when we were growing up in church, we went to churches, and I didn't go to this type of church because my dad was a pastor. He was a good pastor. But sometimes I've, I've visited churches, and it was... I mean, the preacher was just throwing hellfire and brimstone. I don't know. I guess he felt better about himself. And, you know, repent, you bunch of sinners. You're going to hell. You know, that's a misrepresentation of the word repent. Do you know that the word repent is the most beautiful word in the Bible? I, I don't care what someone is, if someone's done something wrong. Repent is the most beautiful word in the Bible because when we repent, it releases hope and life and peace to us. It clears out our heart. And here's what repent means. Repent means I'm going this way. When I repent and ask God to forgive me, it means now I'm going this way. I'm doing a 180. I'm going away from that sin. And so here's here's the bottom line. We can't begin a new life until we turn from the old life. That's the bottom line. So if you want to hear God's voice, we've got to get rid of the pollution in our lives. Uh, And you may need to repent for sin in your life, you may need to repent because you've allowed something someone else did to come in and pollute your life. Either one is wrong. Either one will block God's voice in your life. Then it says this, that those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they, they have no root. And they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And I'm calling this the, the distracted heart. We've all done this before. We had a quiet time. We started off the day with a quiet time, or we went to a church, or we went to a small group or a Bible study, and uh, we're so excited about what we learned from God's Word. We're so excited about something the Lord showed us from something we were studying, and we're so excited about that. 
But as soon as you leave where you are, you forget what you heard. Uh, something else takes your attention away from God's, from God's Word. There's a distraction. Uh, you know, I was at the mall one time, and uh, so Tracy and Trinity and I, and we were, you know, we're meeting up or whatever, and, and uh, so we were in the food court, and they wanted something different to eat than me, and I went over here, and I didn't have my wallet with me, so she just gave me some cash, right? And so I went over there, and I ordered my food, but I didn't have enough money. And she, she had a lot of money. She had a lot of money. She had, she was loaded, right? And so, but her and Trinity are across the courtyard, and I didn't want to leave, and I didn't want to lose my place here. So I'm hollering across to the, the, the mall, hey, I need money! You know, it just sounds like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 you know? Well, what the problem was, there were 500 other people talking. And there was, there's, you know, we couldn't have a conversation because there was distance over there, and there was too many competing, distracting voices. And that's how it is sometimes in our walk with the Lord. God wants to speak to us, and we even hear bits and pieces, but we have so much noise, and there's so much busyness in our life, and, and, and we, we, have to, we, have to, we have to get rid of that. Research continues to tell us there's a lot of distractions in life. You can be distracted by work, you can be distracted by hobbies, uh, things with your kids, all kinds of things, but research continues to tell us uh, that technology is the greatest distraction in life. Now, technology is amazing. We can do things today that I never thought possible 15 years ago. It's, it can be a lifesaver. But how do you know that technology can also get a hold on your life and, and, and strangle your life? Uh, they, they, studies say that kids between 8 and 18, raise your hands if you're between 8 and 18. Uh, I don't want to raise my hand, Terry. Okay, between 8 and 18, parents, listen to this. Uh, they're going to spend seven and a half hours a day on their smartphone. Seven and a half hours a day, that's 52 and a half hours a week on, on their smartphone, okay? Then we have to, and, and, and listen, parents, we're not, sometimes we're not much better, right? I mean, you think I don't see you texting while I'm speaking, but I do. I see every one of you, and I talk to God about every one of you, okay? <laughs> it's you version, Terry. No, your phone lights up and you answer your kids, right? Or whoever's there. But, but I mean, we, it becomes a, a stranglehold on our life. So something that's good, if it's not controlled, it just devastates our life. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have a moment of confession. They say that confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation, right? <laughs> but I, like, I love to read my Bible on my iPad as my eyes have gotten worse, you know, the, the, the printed Bible's a little bit more difficult so I can make my Bible on my iPad big and I feel good about myself, okay? <clears throat> but here's the problem. So I like the, the version one-year app, right? Well, here's the problem. Whenever I turn my iPad on, I see all these notifications. And I'm obsessive compulsive. That is in the Bible. It's a good quality, by the way. But it has to be directed in the right area, okay? And so, you know, if I'm not... I'm not careful, I, you know, gosh, I just can't concentrate on God when I have 15 emails. Let me get rid of these things. You know, you end up spending all your time doing that, and so I, like, I just, I, I can't look at my emails, I can't do anything until I've read my Bible and really quieted down. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident of this, that many of you, when you have your quiet time, if your phone there, you end up answering texts, you end up responding to things, and, 
if you have 20 minutes with God or 30 minutes with God and half of it's spent doing other things, it, because you, we have to have concentrated efforts. It's an, it takes concerted effort to hear from God. So that's me, and I know many of you struggle with that. And uh, so, hey, you know, there's this thing. It's called like a, 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 a paper Bible. It's pretty effective. It's, it's pretty effective. It's not outdated. It reads the same as your phone or iPad, okay? There's a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 39 through 40. And it's a story of Jesus. He came to the house of Mary and Martha. Of course, their brother was Lazarus, who Jesus raised to life. And there's a story of Mary and Martha. And, and let's just listen to this. It's incredible. It says, she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all the serving, all of her serving responsibilities. And so it's funny. Jesus is sitting there. He's at her. He came to their house. How, how many of you are happy when Jesus is in your house? But Jesus can be in your house and you don't pay any attention to him. The Holy Spirit can be speaking right now, and if you're distracted, you can't hear him. You're thinking about what you got to do today, tomorrow. And so it says that Jesus is speaking. And Mary's right there at his feet just listening, but Martha is worried all about serving. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we can get so consumed with serving God and serving people that we're not spending time with God. And it got quiet. I've done that before. So busy serving and helping people and running the church, but if we don't spend time with God, we, we don't even have the heart to help people anyway. We don't have the wisdom and discretion to help people. So to hear God's voice, I must turn down the world's volume. And you might, may have different volumes coming in. Sometimes people get mad at me. They get mad at me because they think I'm against everything. I'm not against everything, but I know our culture. And 80% of you are doing way too much. You can't run around like crazy and do everything and still have time to hear God's voice. You just can't do it. Okay? So there we go. Then the, let's go to the third heart. Verse 14 says this, The seed that fell among the thorns, again, one translation says weeds, one says thorny weeds. What do weeds speak of? Weeds speak of neglect. You don't, if you do nothing, your yard has weeds, right? You've got to fertilize it and kill those weeds. But if you just pull up somewhere and it's overgrown, there's weeds everywhere, the first thing we think is they haven't taken care of their property. They haven't spent time uh, on the landscape or whatever. It says, the seed that fell among the, the, the thorns, the weeds, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So the third heart is the immature heart. Uh, the mentality of being saved, but content with where you are in your Christian walk. And let me let me tell you this: in life, we're either growing and going forward, or we're going backwards. If you think you're staying in the same place, you're really not. You're really not. You're, you're you're losing ground. You're losing ground. It's like if you had a bunch of money and didn't have it in the bank and it just sit in your house. Every day that goes by, that money is is worth less because inflation is increasing. It's the same thing in our Christian, in our Christian lives. And, you know, so God says, yes, you're saved, but do you think that time, maybe it's time for you to go a little bit deeper? Do you think maybe it's time 
you know, for, for you to grow a little bit. Uh, it's time to make progress in your spiritual life. And here, here's what I know. Most people come to Jesus, unless if you're young, you're a child, most people come to Jesus because you're in a bad place in life. If you're an adult and you come to Jesus because something is not good in your life, you're not happy, you have bad problems, whatever, and so they give their lives to Jesus, and they start doing things. They start attending church, maybe reading their Bible, maybe going to some Bible studies. Then the worst thing happens. The worst thing that can happen to a Christian is when you start to get a little bit of relief in your life. Because you're under pressure. That's why you came to Jesus. You're under pressure. I mean, you say, I have Jesus, and I'm still under pressure. But you're under pressure. I mean, bad pressure, bankruptcy, you're about to go through a divorce, your children are in trouble, whatever. But when you come to God, you, you start growing instantly. Things are changing. You have faith, and you get a little bit of relief. And the worst thing you can do when you start to feel relief is to stop growing. That's the worst thing that you, you can ever do. And, and uh, you know, they start to, they, they know they're in a better place, and so they start to coast through life. They put it on cruise control, and they become complacent and never become spiritually mature all the way. They, they, they keep stop, they, they stop short. And here, some signs of immaturity is uh, really that you become content where you are spiritually, that really if you look back your, at your life after about three years back, you realize I haven't made any progress in the last three years. I, my faith is still the same level, whatever, I haven't grown, and things like that. And the, the, third, the third point that you know that you're mature is that you make excuses for why you haven't grown. Oh, it's the church I go to. Oh, it's my schedule. Oh, it's my husband or wife. You know, it's the pastor. Um, the donut shop took, took too long. I didn't get to church. And here's the thing. If you make excuses in your life, that's a lack of maturity on your part. Please don't look at me so harsh. Isn't that true? If we make excuses anywhere in our life, but in our spiritual walk, if we make excuses, um, you know, mature people don't make excuses. They find resolution. They find a way to get it done. They find a way to grow. Um, I, I had a man come, this is many years ago, I had a man come to me one time and say, hey, pastor, I just want to let you know that we will no longer be coming to family life. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Can you tell me why? He said, yeah, me and my family, we're not growing. And so, I, you know, I hadn't been a pastor that long, and I thought, man, I felt really bad about that. So I called all of my pastors that are all my mentors. And the first one I called laughed at me. He said, Terry, I had 100 last year that left because of that. Oh, well, he's a pretty good pastor. You know, I was thinking maybe I needed to resign or something. And, he, and they, all my pastor friends told me this, Terry, if somebody's not growing, it's an indictment on their own spiritual life. Because let, let's face it, you could throw me on an island and I can grow spiritually. If I had a Bible, I could read my Bible and pray. If I didn't have that, I could just spend time with God praying and listen to the voice of God. And no, no, I mean, there, you know. So uh, the truth is we can grow anywhere if we're spending time with God, praying and reading our Bible. And so here's what I want to say. If you're dissatisfied with your walk with the Lord, if you're dissatisfied with how often God speaks to you or you hearing his voice, uh, maybe it's on us to grow up a little bit. 
maybe it's on us to do something we haven't tried before. Maybe like if we're doing nothing, that we should try to start doing something. Maybe we should uh, take, grow up a little. Come on, parents, we tell our kids this, right? It's time to grow up. You're going into high school, you know? Can't take your bottle to school anymore, you know? Uh, but so here, here's the point here is that maturity comes when we stop making excuses and start making changes. I, I mean, that, that's, we've we got to stop making excuses and start making changes. So here's what I want to, you know, a lot of times people come to my office and pastor, I'm just struggling, I'm not growing, and, but I look and I'm like, look, you hardly come to Sunday service. You never go to small group. You don't serve anywhere. So, you know, mature up a little bit. Start doing something you haven't done. Come every week. Take notes. Join a Bible study. Join a small group. Take the growth track and become a member. Start serving. Start giving. I mean, start. See, maturity is when we invest ourselves into something that's important. That's what maturity is. And so, so you know, the saying is it's true in everything, and it's true in our spiritual life. You get what you put into something. And so when you put effort into your spiritual life, you know, you get, you get a return, just like any, anywhere else in life. So here's the deal. Next Monday, next Monday, we're, we're going to have a week of prayer. And I just challenge you, some of you have been coming to church here for a number of years, and you have never made it out to a prayer meeting before. You've never fasted. You've never... You've never, and what I will say, if your life isn't working, do something you haven't done before. Well, Terry, I'm tired by 7 in the evening. I am too. I am too, but mature people do what needs to be done, not what feels good. That's what mature people do. And so what I'm saying is, man, if you take next week and cut out the noise, and you come out here and pray and just believe God, I promise you God will speak to you. He will speak to you. I'm going I'm to tell a story real quick, and some of you heard this story, but it's very, very important. A number of years ago, we were doing, uh, we were doing a week of prayer and fasting. We had 6 a.m. prayer meetings and 7 p.m. prayer meetings. And a lady I didn't hardly know, she was there at the 6 a.m. prayer meeting, and I'm like, okay, you know, she was there. And then she was there on Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. So Thursday night, I asked her. She was the only one in the whole church, and I didn't even know who she was, Harley, who came to every prayer meeting besides me. And I said, what's going on? She's like, listen, I'm an alcoholic. She's like, I've tried rehab, I've tried AA, I've tried everything, and my marriage isn't going to make it unless this God can deliver me from drinking. And I mean, she fasted all week. She was up here. I mean, the chair she was praying on was wet. It was soaked. I'm like, that's anointing all right there. That's anointing all right there. That's, that's, that's cries for mercy. And, you know, I talked to her. I don't know where she is anymore, but two years later, she had never had a drink. Come on now. Come on now. Rehab didn't work. Spent thousands of dollars in rehab, and it didn't work. She cried out to God, and she invested heavily. And it came through for her. That's what mature people do. We realize we cannot do it on our own. And therefore, we have to cry out to God, and we have to be serious about that. Then there's a fourth soil. It says, but the seed on good soil stands to the noble and good heart, 
who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So this is the prepared heart. And this is the word that the Lord gave me for our congregation. If we can prepare our hearts during this season, we will hear God's voice not only next week, but going into the fall as we change our practices, as we get the pollution and distraction and immaturity out of our hearts. And there's three words he gave to me. First of all, repent. That means if you're going in one direction, hey, don't feel bad about it. Don't, don't feel like you're a second-class Christian. Just repent and turn around. So repent. The second word is to refocus. And, you know, uh, one, one lady told me one time, I haven't read my, I was doing the reading through the Bible in a year, and I, but it was October. I haven't read since March. She felt so condemned. I said, well, how about you do this? Go to bed early and wake up tomorrow morning and read. You don't have to go back to March. Just start tomorrow. Just start reading. You know, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just start reading. Do something about it today. Then we ask God for revival. We ask God, God, just revive my heart. Bring a tenderness in my heart. God, just take all the pollution. Take the distraction. Take the immaturity. God, do something in my heart that revives my spirit and renews my passion for you. 2 Corinthians, the, the worship team can come on up this morning. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 in the message, it says this. Let's make a clean break. That's good, huh? Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without, and let us make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Isn't that great news? God doesn't want us to be condemned about our past, but let's make a clean break today. Let's make a break from the things that are holding us back. Let's make a break in today, tomorrow, next week. Let's live, let's live differently. So to hear God's voice clearly, we have to have a prepared heart, a heart that's in good condition. So here's the thing. It ha our heart has to be in good condition by removing these things we talked about so God's voice can come into our hearts, so we can hear him clearly, and we're able to discern his voice and able to uh, let that grow in our hearts. So we, we, just, we just have to prepare ourselves. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you close your eyes and let's just, let's just wait on the Lord a minute. See, many of you here today, you may say, man, Terry, I, I, I understand today that I'm not prepared to hear the voice of the Lord. My heart. There's a condition in my heart, whether it's pollution or distraction or immaturity, that really, it hinders me from clearly hearing, discerning, and distinguishing the voice of God. But I, I want my heart to be prepared. I want to hear God's voice during this season. Would you just raise your hands with me? And we're just going to ask God to help us get rid of those things. God, we come to you today. And Lord, we know that when we're prepared, when our heart's in the right condition, it changes our ability to hear you. We know you're speaking to us, but when we have pollution and distraction and immaturity in our hearts, God, it really messes with us. Let's just say this today, and I'm praying with you. Father God, today I repent from the things that have, have gotten in my life that block me from hearing your voice. I want to have a prepared heart. Please cleanse my heart today so God's word will be able to plant within my heart.
God, we ask you today, God, we, we ask you today that you open the doors of heaven upon our church. God, we know that when we hear your voice clearly, it gives us so much faith and confidence to follow you. So God, we ask you today, help us to turn the frequency of our culture and the world down. And God, help us just to focus on you in our life, God. That we go into this fall having clear direction and a clear understanding of what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.